0: Mina Kimes, we're finally here the dawn of a new NFL season, which for you as an NFL analyst probably means a routine of watching and re-watching and re-watching games on a micro level. So how have you spent your last few days without NFL football?
1: Preparing for NFL football, to be honest. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, ha- uh, there's only so much you can do to prepare for the upcoming season. Rosters change. There are new coaches So that obviously inhibits our ability to predict and you're not watching tape of these current teams. However, um, that doesn't mean we don't try. That doesn't mean we don't make predictions. Uh, And we go into every season, we being, you know, those of us, the NFL media who try to cover the sport, at least doing our best to gauge what might happen. What excites you most about this NFL season? You know, I think... We are so lucky right now because we live... Wow, that was dramatic of me, but I I do really feel like we're lucky we put some dramatic NFL music underneath this. We are at a moment which I think is really exciting. It's an exciting time to be an NFL fan because it's... I don't know if I want to use the phrase golden age, but there are so many exciting young quarterbacks, and that was not always the case. In fact, for... You know, several years, we were still really um, leaning on the old guard, and obviously, you know, some of those guys, Aaron Rodgers, being most, most notable, are still in the mix and still very good and relevant. But when I was, you know, ranking the quarterbacks this summer, it was amazing to me how many were in their twenties, how many were, you know, very early in their NFL careers, and I think that's really cool, and it's, it makes for a very exciting league.
0: The NFL season starts its engine tomorrow, revving up to a full roar over the weekend. And another week one means we get some answers on all of the questions we've been asking ever since the Super Bowl ended. Are the Lions for real? Whose title window is still open? What are these young quarterbacks made of? So today, our favorite football nerd, Mina Kimes, joins us to give a crash course on what we will be seeing this season. I'm Emily Kaplan. It's Wednesday, September 6th. This is ESPN Daily.
2: Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Mina, the first
0: game of the NFL regular season, the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs are taking on the Detroit Lions. So it does feel natural to start here. You know, Mina, every year I feel like there's a super buzzy team, a trendy team. Fans want to jump on the bandwagon and say this is their year to make the huge jump. Overwhelmingly, 2023, I feel like that's the Lions. So I need to know if you're on the wagon, too. Are you buying into the Lions?
1: Uh, I think it kind of depends on what buying in means, which is such a cowardly way to answer that question <laughs> uh, befitting of a Lion. But um, yeah, I, I I do think that the Lions are deservedly favorites to win their division. I think they're going to be competitive. There's a lot about them that I like. I'm not quite sure I have them you know, as Super Bowl contenders per se, uh, but your point about there being a lot of buzz around this team is absolutely correct. And it really started last season, Emily. I mean, coming off of a year where they did hard knocks and everybody fell in love with the roster and their head coach, Dan Campbell, uh, there was so much excitement around Detroit and then they started off the season losing a ton of games, but around the halfway point, they really turned things around, ripped off a bunch of wins And I think there is some expectation that they they can carry that momentum into this year. And I think that expectation is deserved for a couple of reasons. One is offensively, they were able to retain their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who many people, myself included, thought was going to leave and become a head coach somewhere else. I think he's one of the more talented young play callers in the league. And this offense, which has one of the better offensive lines in football, ha- has gotten pretty good play out of Jared Goff, who you know was basically seen as a toss-in in the Matthew Stafford trade. So that, I think, gives them a floor. And then defensively, that's why they lost most of their games last year. Both the run defense and the pass defense were pretty atrocious. But the pass rush improved down the stretch, and they made a number of additions in the secondary that I think will pay off. I don't think they're going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL, but if they can just be... Average, coupled with that offense, they're going to be a very competitive team.
0: All right, Mina, I'm not letting you off the cowardly train yet. Are they going to roar into the
1: playoffs? I, I, I do have them winning the division, but I, I'll say it's a pretty winnable division. I think that helps as well in a very winnable conference, um, which is another thing you'll notice as we talk about these teams and these projections. That The AFC is very stacked this year, so it's a lot easier to advance to the playoffs and probably ultimately come out of the NFC. Well, Mina, on
0: top of that stack is the team they play in the opener, the Chiefs. And we found out on Tuesday that Travis Kelsey is now questionable to play Thursday with a hyperextended knee. But assuming that injury doesn't linger long term, the discussion now around Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, who now have two Super Bowls, is that they're entering dynasty territory. Even still, Mina, they entered the opener with a big question mark because defensive tackle Chris Jones is still not back as he looks for a new contract. So how big of an impact will that be?
1: This is massive. And honestly, I think kind of the only thing that could derail this dynasty because the offense is almost not really worth talking about, frankly. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, as long as he's back there, they're fine. But defensively, Emily, this unit really needs Chris Jones not just because he is one of the uh, Aaron Donald still exists so I'm always uncomfortable saying best but one of the two I would say best defensive tackles in the NFL led the position last year league wide in pressures pass rush wins uh he snaps actually which you know he played a lot of football but he plays on a Chiefs defensive line that, without him, is pretty young, pretty inexperienced. They made some additions in free agency, but outside of Chris Jones, it is not readily apparent where pressure will be coming from, uh, which is not something you want to be lacking against a Detroit offensive line that, again, I believe is one of the best in the NFL. So. Chris Jones clearly knew he had some leverage, and um, I think that's really informing what appears to be a a, a pretty dramatic holdout situation.
0: Mina, once we get to Sunday, there's going to be a ton of juicy matchups, including the handful of rookie quarterbacks debuting in the 1 p.m. slot. We've got Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis, Bryce Young with the Panthers, and CJ Stroud with Houston. Which of these rookies is most poised for success?
1: Ooh, that's a good question, because I think it's a tricky one. And a lot of it is out of the control of the quarterbacks. You know, one of my takeaways from watching all three of them in the preseason, Emily, was that they they flashed some of the traits we liked about them so much in college. Bryce Young's anticipation, C.J. Stroud's accuracy, throws with beautiful touch. Uh, Anthony Richardson, the human highlight reel, credible on his feet, But none of their situations are great, Uh, ranging from offensive line issues, Carolina, to a lack of receiving talent. I don't think any of these guys have top 10 groups of skill players around them. And I have to say, I think that's going to really inform their success this season is their actual individual situations and whether or not they can overcome them. So... It's hard for me to actually project any of them like lighting the league on fire this year because of that, but I want to stress it's out of their control.
0: Well, let's now go on to a veteran quarterback in Tua Tungavailoa. You know, his health has become a main storyline as his 2022 season was cut short due to head injuries. He plays the Chargers in week one. Besides just staying on the field, what are you looking to see from Tua this year to show that Miami can take the next step?
1: I am so excited about this matchup because, Emily, if you remember, the when the Chargers and the Dolphins met at the end of last season, this was like a really hyped-up mm-hmm. game uh, because these are two quarterbacks taken in the same class, quarterbacks who had been compared a lot, and Justin Herbert outplayed Tua, and Tua, I, I think, then the Miami offense, which had been a buzzsaw for much of the season, ran into a very well-coached Chargers defense. So what I want to see is not just, okay, you know, how does Tua look? I want to see what's Mike McDaniel's response? What does this offense look like? Does the Chargers' defense evolve? There's like a coaching aspect to this one that I personally find really fascinating. Well, he's playing Justin Herbert, who just got a mega contract
0: in this offseason. season but their coach on the Chargers, Brandon Staley, also carries the burden of previous Chargers teamings doing what we like to call "chargering." So I'm curious, how would you describe the challenges for each of these men, both Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley entering 2023?
1: Yeah, I-, I would say Brandon Staley, who you know I just praised his defensive game plan against Miami, is definitely a guy who you're seeing on a lot of lists when people talk about coaches on the hot seat just because of uh, the fact that uh, the Chargers, you know, did have that implosion in the playoffs. Naturally, there's going to be a lot of tension and pressure paid upon him. And, um, you know, he's got one of the better young quarterbacks in the league by a lot of people's estimation, myself included. Uh, this is, so there, I think that for him, this is a team that has to not only make it to the playoffs, but win a game. And I would say the same probably applies to Justin Herbert. Although, you know, he, to me, deserves a lot of, leeway last year for much of the season not only was he playing through a really significant injury but there were just and this is kind of a story of the chargers generally massive injuries on that offensive line wide receivers in and out of the lineup so hopefully um with a better and healthy supporting cast uh we can actually evaluate his play separate from some of those circumstances and i suspect he'll rise to the occasion Yeah, so what are your expectations for the Chargers this season? I've got them as a playoff team. I mean, they're in a division with the Chiefs. So I don't have them winning the division, but I definitely think they have enough talent on both sides of the ball to get back to the postseason.
0: Coming up, the lowdown on the teams that dominated the offseason headlines.
2: That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement... Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to say 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags and more or gift lists like for the mom who has everything or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras and Samsung Smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder.
0: Mina, this is an ESPN podcast, a podcast, by the way, that you are the godmother of. Uh, But given that it's an ESPN property, it's time for the obligatory question about the Cowboys. There's so much to talk about with this team, including the recent acquisition of Trey Lance. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of hyperbole with this team, too, including another year of Super Bowl expectations. So what do you see as the Cowboys' biggest challenge in 2023?
1: Ooh, that's a great way to put it. And doesn't really rise to the level of many of the hot take questions we get for the Cowboys, right? Like, is Trey Lance replacing Black (laughs) Prescott? Is his job at risk? It's not, by the way. Uh, but I think it's the right question to ask about this team because when you look at the roster, Emily, they're stacked. There's a reason why they're included in most betting odds amongst the Super Bowl favorites because they have so much talent on both sides of the football. Uh, Pass rush is so deep, so talented. I think Micah Parsons can make a case for being number one edge rusher in football this year, but Marcus Lawrence opposite, opposite him is incredible as well. Secondary, they trade for Stephon Gilmore, which is a trade I love, but they're very deep at both cornerback and safety. They're really well coached by Dan Quinn. Very talented, and then offensively, I, another trade I liked was the addition of Brandon Cooks because who's a wide receiver. Because I felt like uh, they really lacked separation at times uh, in that group, which contributed to some of Dak Prescott's interception issues. So my question then is not about talent but about coaching. One of the more surprising moves, I would say, the offseason was they parted ways with their former offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, who is now coaching the aforementioned Justin Herbert, uh, and Mike McCarthy, who's the head coach, and granted has done a, a pretty solid job over the last few years, is taking the reins of this offense. So we don't know what that's going to look like. It was something that he did not have a ton of success with near the end of his career with Aaron Rodgers. I think you can... Fairly say, although he had a lot of success early on. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a pretty high bar for him because this offense was really good the last few years. And so I'll be curious to see, can they be better? Can he cut down on Dak's interception issues? Can he make the most of the talent that is on the roster?
0: When you see a coach do this, take more control, like read between the lines for us, what does that typically mean?
1: Uh, it's usually not good. Uh, um... You know, I, I think of uh, the famous situation that comes to mind is Bill O'Brien in Houston becoming the GM and the coach. I, I can think of so many examples in recent years of coaches seeding control and that working out. Dan Campbell, we talked about at the beginning, uh, giving up, having Ben Johnson take over as the play caller. Um, in Philadelphia, uh, Nick Sirianni was their head coach and he abandoned or absconded play calling duties and. Shane Steichen, who's now the head coach in Indianapolis, took over and things really took off. So, yeah, it's usually not great when the head coach takes on more responsibilities. So we'll see how this goes.
0: Okay, let's move on to another team with Super Bowl expectations just because of their sheer talent. And that's the Cincinnati Bengals. They start their season against the AFC North rivals, the Cleveland Browns but a big question mark around this game is Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow's ankle status. You know, barely played in the preseason. What's your concern level for this type of star player with this type of injury questions in week one?
1: It's probably the biggest question I have about this team because as you correctly said, they're very talented. Secondary is a little bit young, so we'll see, you know, how that goes at first. But Burrow's mobility matters a lot. Uh, Joe Burrow is a very good quarterback when he doesn't move. He, last year, got the ball out incredibly quickly, got really good at reducing sacks. He is a terrific operator from inside the pocket. But while he's an extremely efficient quarterback when he's stationary, he is special when he moves, both as a scrambler, which is a very kind of underrated aspect of his game, Uh, he's part of the kind of sneaky athletic uh, group quarterbacks, yeah. But um, also when he throws on the run, he actually last year throwing on the run had the best QBR and completion percentage over expectation, which is next-gen stats metric that accounts for difficulty of throws in the entire NFL. So my worry, if his mobility is limited, is about his ability to evade pressure and make those special plays Um, you know, so, well, I think that's something to monitor at the beginning of the season. I'm sure he'll get better as it goes on, uh, but he's also playing behind sort of a remixed offensive line. So you just want to make sure that he's able to avoid getting sacked too much.
0: Mina, a team that I feel dominated the headlines for the last few weeks was the San Francisco 49ers. You mentioned Trey Lance is now on the Cowboys. It firmly means that the 49ers are Brock Purdy's team, or is it? Because Mina, you know, this team is so talented around him and so well coached. This is his first year as a starter. I hate to be so cynical, but like how low is the bar for competence for Brock Purdy just to usher this team to the heights that they expect to go to? Or is it fair to expect more for him?
1: Well, it's it's interesting, Emily, because in some ways the bar is very high for Brock Purdy. I would argue trading Lance put a tremendous amount of pressure on him, right? The organization is saying, you're our guy. We're trading away this uh, player who we moved heaven and earth to get in the draft. We're counting on you to not only deliver, but stay healthy. That's a lot of pressure. But on the flip side, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint, playing quarterback in this offense, not a lot of pressure. Uh, It is a very quarterback-friendly offense. And uh, I would argue that the biggest turning point last year for this offense, which had some ups and downs the first uh, half of the season or so, was not moving from Jimmy Garoppolo, who of course got hurt, to Brock Purdy, but the trade for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the team splits before and after adding McCaffrey are dramatic, regardless of whether it was Garoppolo or Purdy playing with him. They went from really struggling at times to move the ball both on the ground and through the air to being, by many metrics, the best offense in football because of the spacing and unpredictability that he provides So I don't think um, life is going to be very hard for Brock Purdy. He is playing behind a very good offensive line with a group of monsters around him. But if one of those players, McCaffrey being most notable, but I would throw George Kittle in the mix too, were to get hurt, uh, well then, yeah, life could get a lot harder very quickly.
0: Well, Mina, their defense is fantastic. And that defense is typically headlined by Nick Bosa, who led the NFL in sacks last year. But Bosa's holding out for a new contract. And as of Tuesday afternoon, it's still uncertain whether he'll be playing in
1: week one or not. Assuming he doesn't play, how big of a deal is that? It is a huge deal. Now, unlike Kansas City, the San Francisco defensive line is still very good, absent Nick Bosa. In fact, they were good last year and they got even better signing Javon Hargrave, who's defensive tackle from Philadelphia, who got a massive contract and is one of the better interior pass rushers in the NFL. They also have Eric Armstead, who's you know really solid. Drake Jackson is a young defensive player, edge rusher. They've got talent, but Nick Bosa is the straw that stirs the drink with that four man rush. And this is not a defense that blitzes very often. So uh, having him to anchor that standard rush is huge. I would also argue it matters a lot in this game in particular because the Steelers' offense uh, (laughs) looked like a total buzzsaw during the preseason. I think they're going to take a lot of people by surprise, but the one area where I'd say they're a little bit vulnerable is that offensive tackle, which, of course, would be the position that Nick Bosa could exploit if he's playing, but without him playing, well, let's just say Kenny Pickett's a very happy young man. Well, Mina, I said that
0: the 49ers had most of the headlines the last few weeks, but I probably lied. The off-season's brightest lights and biggest headlines belong to the man who claims to love darkness retreats. It's, of course, Aaron Rodgers. And obviously, his arrival in New York brought hype to the New York Jets. But Mina, he's nearing 40. He's coming off a not so great year in Green Bay. What do you see as realistic expectations for the Jets this season?
1: Ah. The Jets, anybody here eventually. Everybody is obsessed with the New York Jets right now because not only is it a big market, it's a very tortured market. But I think this is a team that has very high variance this year, which makes them fascinating. And, and a lot of that is because of what you alluded to, which is while Rogers um enters a situation where let's just say the bar is very low based on the offensive play last year. We really don't know what we're going to get out of him. He is coming off of a down season. I think you can attribute some of that to injury and the youth of his wide receivers. But the ranks or names or examples of quarterbacks at his age who've played well in the NFL, it's very small, if you don't include Tom Brady. Um, So he would be defying historical expectations starting there. I think that because this defense is so talented, so stacked, and they can do the thing that all great defenses do in the NFL right now, which is get pressure without blitzing, stop the run with light boxes, both things they did super well last year. Uh, I think they're going to naturally be very competitive in most games, but this is the AFC East. It's a very challenging division, I would say, alongside the AFC North, probably the best in the NFL. Um, and the start of the Jets' season is very Challenging, So this feels like a situation where they could come out the gate and lose a few games and everybody panics, but they're still a really good football team and get things figured out down the stretch.
0: Well, you said the beginning of their season is challenging. Maybe no bigger challenge than opening up on Monday Night Football against the Bills. Buffalo has been a contender some of the past few seasons, but it's come up short. How do you view their Super Bowl window?
1: I think their Super Bowl window is still open. I think they're still a very talented team The roster is aging a little bit, particularly on defense and and not having Von Miller at the start of the season is concerning. But Josh Allen, to me, keeps their window open for as long as he's playing, as long as he's playing at the level that he is. His ability to create outside of structure, under pressure, while also being very accurate, this is where he kind of grew as a quarterback, Um, both in rhythm in inside the pocket, makes this offense just so difficult to stop. I like some of the additions that they've made, kind of smaller additions in the offensive line. Uh, Their draft pick was a tight end named Dalton Kikade, who I think is very talented. So I I still have them as being the favorites in the AFC East, um, and I still think they're extraordinarily tough out.
0: Mina, you mentioned it earlier, sometimes at ESPN, we get some flack for only focusing on a select number of teams. So I wanted to give you some space here at the end to let it rip. What are some storylines or teams you think that just aren't getting enough love that you want to talk about right now?
1: Well, a team that I like, and you use the operative word there, love, is the Green Bay Packers. I've been very intrigued by them based on what we've seen in the preseason, but also Um, the talent around Jordan Love, their young quarterback, the heir to Aaron Rodgers, very good offensive line. One of the best in football. I really like the young skill players, Christian Watson at wide receiver, Romeo Dobbs. They drafted a tight end this year that I like. And then I also think their coach and play caller, Matt LaFleur is extremely talented. Um, I make the mistake every year of thinking their defense is going to be better than they are based on their talent levels. So I have some reservations, about hyping them up too much. And I still have the Lions we talked about at the beginning of the show, winning the division. But I wouldn't be surprised if they are a tougher uh, team than maybe people are giving them credit for. And I think Packers fans should feel pretty good about uh, their young quarterback and him being the future of the franchise.
0: Yeah, I'm just curious about Jordan Love because we've heard so much about him for so many years, just sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, seasoning, getting ready for this moment. If he has a successful season, what does that look like?
1: You know, I, I think... For him, success isn't necessarily winning the division. I don't think that's what's most important for the team, although I think it's realistic. It's not impossible. I think you you just want Packers fans to feel good about the decision that the the organization made. And you could say, well, Aaron Rodgers wanted out, but the decision was made when they drafted Jordan Love in the first round that he was going to be the future of this team. And if he can show promise... Uh, poise, progress. I don't know why all those words started with P. That wasn't my intention. Then I think uh, another P word, the Packers will feel pretty good about this very well-run team making yet another very good decision.
0: All right. I guess I got to end it on a P word. Mina, where does your perfect first NFL Sunday take place? What will you be doing?
1: (laughs) Uh, now, I gotta come up with another P word. Prone, lying prone on the sofa. I will be at home, uh, you know, taking it all in, trying to watch as much football at once as possible, uh, and then doing my best to catch up as soon as the game's in.
0: Sounds pleasant and palatable. Mina, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Appreciate it.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: I'm Emily Kaplan. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.